Welcome to the OKC First Church of the Nazarene podcast. At OKC First, we are learning to do three things. Friendship with God, friendship with one another, and open friendship for the sake of the world. For more information about OKC First, please visit OKCFirst.com. Then during Lent, we will look in the mirror and we will make that hard, we'll have that hard discussion about who I am and who I am not all the way up to Easter Sunday. And then during the Easter season, we will celebrate the victory of God. And then in the season of Pentecost, it'll take us all the way back around to Advent. We will talk about all the time what it means to be the people of God, what it means to be involved in the mission of the people of God. But we're in Advent, a word that actually means arrival or coming. Now, we are a church that's been through verse by verse. <laughs> we have been through the book of Revelation. And we are a church that has tried as best we can to receive the message of the book of Revelation, which is not God will take all the good people and destroy everything here. The book of Revelation, the message is God will finish what God has started on a creation that God has called good and very good. And all God's people said, that's right. Now. You have heard, as, as I've had opportunity to say it to you a couple times, and not just in, not just in uh, a Revelation sermon series, but you have heard me say, I don't buy some of what we bring sold, that's being sold out there that's called Christian theology about the end times. I'm just not that person. But I do very much believe in a coming of Christ that will finish what God has started. Now, I, I don't much, I don't, it's not bad or wrong or anything. I don't much like the terminology of second coming. I want to call it the final coming, the completing move, the finishing move for you wrestling fans out there, right? The, the final move where God will come, where Christ will come back and in all of God's and Christ's fullness, everything will be completed, that God's best dreams for all of creation will finally be realized. I do believe very deeply in that. You need to hear me say that. I believe in that. And during Advent, we are not just celebrating the little baby that came. We are living intentionally in some anguish and anticipation for God to come and finish what God has started. Make some sense? Intentionally, we step into the anguish of this holiday season. Now, hang on a second, John. You apparently don't understand the Christmas season. There's no anguish in it. It starts, John, you must know this, that the holiday season starts sometime right after Memorial Day, I think. Now it starts with all of the decorations and all of the shopping and all of that. Yeah, we are, again, we're probably, uh, during this time, we would be seen as a very odd community because I, I don't want you to get so lost in the Christmas season, hear this, I don't want you to get so lost in the Christmas season that you lose the season of Advent, which for us as Christians is indispensable. Because it's during this time that we intentionally live in this tension. We live in this tension with the full recognition that God in Christ has come. The word made flesh came to live in our neighborhood with us. The kingdom has begun. We spent 23 weeks saying this. The kingdom has been launched in this Jesus. But the kingdom is not finished yet. Can I get an amen there? Can you look around and see some evidence that the kingdom's not quite finished? There are things that are happening on an international scale. 
There are some things that are happening on a national scale. There are things that are happening on a familial scale (laughs) that would indicate to us that we're not quite finished yet. There's more work to be done to bring this kingdom into its fullest fruition. And so we live in the in-between times. And during Advent, we say right out loud, we're living in the in-between times. And so we must wait well. We must wait well. This word, Advent, brings to mind, is supposed to bring to mind, these other words, anticipation, anticipation. Yes, we know that baby Jesus has already come, okay? We're not acting like baby Jesus hasn't already come, but we recognize that Jesus needs to come back to finish. So we have this great expectation, and we will use the language as faithful waiting and hope because that's what this season's about. We believe, now hear this, we believe. I hope you, I believe, I want you to know this. I believe that God has every intention of completing what God started in creation. And I believe that God's willing to work in and through us to move everything that direction. Now, we can't do it alone. We can't do it without the finishing move of God in Christ. But we should be busy moving things that direction now, actively waiting. Here's what actively waiting kind of looks like. It looks like uh, Christopher and Kristen Cowan making sure that the nursery is ready. That's called active waiting, right? There's a baby on the way, there's a baby on the way, but we're not just sitting around saying, wow, there's a baby on the way. You're busy doing something. You're busy doing something, getting the room ready so that when Phoenix is born, love that, by the way, Phoenix Cowan, love that. So that when Phoenix is born, the room is ready. John and Blair Hart, Gibson was born on Thanksgiving Day. Yeah, you like that? Yeah. But John and Blair were busy, were busy. They weren't just sitting around and waiting. They were busy waiting. We are to be not just waiting, but busy as we wait, active waiting. Here's another one. Closer to my mind and heart. Every Thanksgiving for the last several years, we are at my mom and dad's house for Thanksgiving Day. On Friday, we all pile in the cars and we convoy all the way to Fort Supply to see my brother in the Fort Supply William S. Key State Penitentiary. Now, Jimmy is living in the in-between times, right? But I can, I'm happy to report that Jimmy is actively waiting. He is working through the course of study in the hopes of being a minister, a licensed minister. We have locally licensed him as a church in the hopes of being district licensed and maybe even ordained someday as a minister. So he's working through all of that. He's not just sitting around. There is active waiting, but folks, there is anguish too. So it's active waiting in the midst of anguish. In the midst of the stark realization that yes, Christ has come, but no, Christ has not come back and finished everything yet. And sometimes you don't have to look any farther than your family to see that Christ has not yet finished. Now you can look farther, you can watch the news, and I would encourage you to do that. Know that we live in a country 
that is still in some anguish. Know that we live in a world that is still in some anguish because, yes, we will celebrate baby Jesus. We will. And we have lots of different candidates to play baby Jesus. That's great, beautiful. But we will also recognize and acknowledge that there is an anguish to these in-between times. There's an ache. Things aren't right yet. Things aren't what they're supposed to be yet. And God, shape us, move us, help us to move everything your direction. Because the people of God play a very important role in this whole deal. We're supposed to be the ones actively waiting, you know, preparing the room for the coming of the king. We're supposed to be waiting, but at the same time, getting ready, getting prepared, making the best of ourselves that we can so that God can make best possible use of us when that finishing move happens. Paul knows this is the, the calling of the people of God. Paul knows this is the calling of the church in Corinth, a church that he started. Listen to these words. This is craziness. This is Paul writing back to a church that he had planted, but he had left. In fact, there are a series of letters, maybe four, maybe five different letters. We just have two of them, known as First and Second Corinthians. Lots of different letters, lots of correspondence between these two. Even in his absence, Paul, the founding pastor of this church, is trying to tell them, you are supposed to be actively waiting, making preparations, getting ready for God in Christ to finish what God has started. And so, here's the opening of this letter in 1 Corinthians. Paul called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sosthenes to the church of God that is in Corinth to, listen to this, because this is aimed at us too, believe it or not, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, <laughs> together with all those who in every place call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Okay, a little bit about this ancient church in Corinth. Corinth was known uh, as a place that, um, where you could make good and a lot of fast money. In fact, they were kind of known around the region as sort of their own little Las Vegas. <laughs> they were kind of known as these folks as who could get rich really quick, but they did not know how to actually be or do with a lot of money. Have you ever seen those people? These folks were like folks who all won the lottery, and then they didn't know how to really have money. They were really hard on poor people. In fact, you had a situation there in Corinth where there were very few people who were very wealthy, then you had a lot of people who were very poor and not much in between. This church that Paul planted was in the midst of a giant fracture. They could not get along somehow. And they were in the process of forgetting how to wait well and to make preparations for the Christ that's on the way. And so Paul does what every good pastor gets to do and wants to do. Paul writes and gives them a blessing. A blessing. Since I have been here, I have been asked to do some semblance of a blessing a lot. And I love it. Every time. The benediction at the end is some sort of blessing. You get that, right? But I have been asked to bless a home. One of the staff members in our church was actually asked to bless a dog training facility. I think it went very well. We get asked to bless marriages. 
bless children, right? Now, here's the really important thing you have to hear. Anytime and every time a pastor blesses, that pastor should know that he or she is not the originating, the, the originator of that blessing. I'm just telling you something that is true because it started in the heart of God. It's really important that you hear this, okay? If you ask me to come and bless your house, I, uh, like the structure, like you're just you're gonna build or remodel a house and you ask me to come bless your house, this is a good news, bad news situation. The good news is I can do it and I'll string some words together that I think you'll really like. The bad news, bad news is this, I don't actually have the power within myself to bless your house <laughs> or curse your house, that's good, right? I can't curse your house either. But I am a channel through which God blesses the pastor in the baptistry. Pastor Lisa does this so well, I love it. She puts her hands on this little kid's head and she blesses that kid. But the blessing starts in the heart of God and Lisa is the channel through which that blessing is communicated. Make some sense? Paul is about to bless his congregation. But Paul is going to go overboard to help this congregation to see that the blessing doesn't start with Paul. It is a gift that comes from the hand of God. Here's the thing. Here's why this matters to us. That blessing that comes to the church in Corinth is ours as well. I'm just not sure that we always live into it or up to it. Hear this blessing. Grace to you and peace. Right off the bat, he says, this isn't for me. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Does everybody know that who you are as an individual believer and who we are as a gathering of believers, does everybody know that who we are has much more to do with what God has done than what we have done? We are who we are. Hear this. Let me, can I say it? I think, I think I believe this. Ready? <laughs> you like that when your pastor says this? I think I believe this. If you do not recognize that your Christianity is a move in response to the grace of God, if you think somehow that your Christianity is of your own making, I'm not sure that you're a Christian. All that I am as a believer, I am because I have said yes and then responded to the gift of grace that I could not earn. All that we are as a body of believers, all that we are as a body of believers, as the people of God, and not just us, but any church and every church, all the churches, the church with the capital C, all that we are, we are because God moved first and we said yes and are trying as best we can to respond with our gathered up life together. You like that? No? <laughs> Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Paul's saying, look, I know that you are in the in-between times, and I know that there is anguish in these in-between times, and I know that you are called to a hard life because you're called to a life of faithfulness, but let me tell you something. You can do it, and it's not so much because you can do it. It's because God can do it in and through and for you, but you have to say yes and participate. But listen to what you get here. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that has been given you in Christ Jesus. For in every way you have been enriched in him, in speech and knowledge of every kind. Just as the testimony of Christ has been strengthened among you so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's another way to say this and here's how I'm going to say it. I hope you'll like this, especially my former professors that are in the room. I hope you'll like this. You can be Christian because God will help you. Oh, and we can be the church. We can be this alternative community because God has already helped us and God will continue to help us. You like that? Man, I know that sometimes it feels like you are and I am. Sometimes it feels like that we are swimming upstream, but we can swim upstream because God in Christ has come to us like a gift to help us do what we could never have done otherwise. You are not lacking in any spiritual gift. Now, I get a little bit weirded out by the spiritual gift inventories. I, I do a little bit. I'm sorry. I get a little bit weirded out when we take all these inventories and someone says, oh, good, I have the gift of mercy, while somebody else over here says, I do not have the gift of mercy. Do not expect it from me. <laughs> I, I, I think that's a misunderstanding of the discussion of spiritual gifts. Here's what's being said as we use the terminology of spiritual gifts. Whatever it is that you need to do or be to faithfully tell and retell the story and embody the story, whatever it is that you need, you have in Christ by the Spirit of Christ. Whatever, whatever the circumstance. Listen, Mr. Unmerciful, if in a moment, in order to be the person of God, you need mercy, you can have it if you'll say yes to it. And you can be a vessel of that grace because God has a vested interest in our success as Christians and as the church. Oh, it's just so hard, John. I know, I know it's hard. I know it is. Sometimes the difficulty in being Christian is evidence that Christianity is needed in our contexts. A couple of you nodding, not very many amens, so I can only assume that the microphone is off. <laughs> he goes on. He will also strengthen you to the end. This is the final coming that he's talking about now will give you this capacity to stay strong and stay true and to be faithful all the way to the end so that you may be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. By him, you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Again, it's sort of Bible speak, and Bible speak for people who have grown up in the church is really easy to kind of gloss over and not hear, but hear this. We see this in the Gospels as well. We are offered this place in the family, <laughs> brothers and sisters of Christ himself, children of God the Father, worthy of the inheritance 
receivers, recipients, so long as we will receive it, of the same grace and the same spirit that filled the lungs of Christ. This is why Jesus will say in the book of John, someday you'll do things that you see me doing. In fact, this is craziness. You'll do better things because God will wrap God's self around you just like God has wrapped himself around me. God will fill you and move you and use you just as you have seen God fill me, use me. I I know, it's too good to be true, right? It is like, it is startlingly true. That's hard to say, startlingly true. But it is true. It's not just that God has a vested interest in our success. God has invested in our success by making himself in Christ available to us so that we can actually be the kingdom today. And yet, we can look in the mirror And we can look around the table and sense that around the table, I hope this isn't true for you, but for many folks, you look around the table and there's some family anguish around the table. (laughs) And if we flip on the TV, we're going to see some evidence that the world is still broken. We're going to see some evidence that we're still in the in-between times. If you listen long enough, you'll hear that there is fracture on an international, global sort of scale. You'll hear all kinds of voices that are willing to frighten, to predict dark and ominous things for the future. And here's the thing, they may all be right, but here's the other thing. God has us to help prepare creation for the final coming. And God has given us, hear this, wow. I know it's hard to be Christian and resist the powers of consumerism. I know it's hard, especially this season. I know it is. I know it's hard to resist the powers of violence and hatred that would divide families and divide ethnicities and divide countries. I know it is hard. But hear this, hear this. You have everything you need to succeed because you have Jesus. God has given you Christ. And now by the spirit of the same Jesus, we have everything we need to be Christian. I'm not sure you believe that. You have everything you need to be Christian. Part of what you need is a group of people who will pull on that same rope the same direction. Part of what you need is a church. I am grateful for you. And as I told my Sunday school class today, I'm not just grateful because I have a place to come to work every day. That's that's cool and all too, right? But I'm grateful because I am not sure that I can be Christian without you. 
Because the pull of consumerism, the pull of a, a violent subculture, a violent culture, the pull of all these different forces and these competing kings and kingdoms, the pull is hard. And without folks in my house, without folks in my house, <laughs> I'm not sure that I can do it. Don't feel sorry for me. I don't think you can do it either. We need one another. Paul writes this letter to a church because he recognized, in some ways, hear this, a faithful, functioning church that is faithful and functions on the wind and the breath of God, known as the Spirit, you are the hope of your neighborhood. You're the hope of your neighborhood. I had this long quote, and I apologize ahead of time for it, but it was so good, I just wanted to read it for you, and I knew I would botch it if I didn't read it. From one of my commentaries, the interpretation, Paul urges us to understand the church in a cosmic frame of reference that points toward the final triumph of God's righteousness, the setting right of all things in Jesus Christ. Ugh. Hear this again. Paul urges us to understand the church in a cosmic frame of reference that points toward the final triumph of God's righteousness. Some of you do not believe that God's righteousness has won, is winning, and will win. It makes me wonder which God you're serving. Paul urges us to understand the church in a cosmic frame of reference that points toward the final triumph of God's righteousness, the setting right of all things in Jesus Christ. Here's the way one of my favorite voices has says it. He says it. Bonhoeffer says, if we do not give thanks daily for the Christian fellowship in which we have been placed, even where there is no great experience, no discoverable riches, but much weakness, small faith, and difficulty. If, on the contrary, we only keep complaining to God that everything is so paltry and petty, so far from what we expected, and he's still talking about the church, then we hinder God from letting our fellowship grow according to the measure and riches which are there for us all in Jesus Christ. Everything you need, everything we need, to be a tangible expression of the truth of this kingdom we have already in Christ. Everything that Jim needs, it's hard to be Christian in prison. It's hard to be Christian in prison. Um, what this big old boy needs right now, he really needs a community of faith. Be nice if the community of faith was right there on the yard with him. Really needs a community of faith. A community of faith that has a testimony that goes something like this. Yes, it's hard. Yes, we live in the in-between times, but we have all that we need because we have this Jesus. We can be faithful. Hey, listen, listen to this. I know that the call of God for you, for me, for us, I know it's a high calling and it's hard work, but we have all that we need to be faithful 
We have all that we need to be the kingdom now, though it is also not yet. The food in prison is terrible. The food in prison is terrible. That's a whole other discussion I'm willing to have with you at some other point. The food in prison is terrible, but it gets you to the next day and the next day and the next day. It's kind of what food does. It, it, it is sustenance. In other words, it sustains. It, it can help strengthen us and move us to that next day. I, I, this is really cool. Um, by this time next year, Jimmy will have eaten Thanksgiving dinner at home with us. How good is that? That's good. Yeah, yeah. And... Just a word of warning, if you invite him to your house, he can eat a lot. <laughs> kind of eats in expectation and this anticipation of a better meal in days to come. Make some sense? Eats now to get to that day of a better feast, a better meal. Same kind of way we eat now in anticipation of a better meal to come. Like Jimmy, we are also in the in-between times waiting for a better day, getting ready for a better day. In an adventy sort of way, getting ready for a, a better day. Unlike Jimmy, we're not in a state penitentiary, but maybe there are other prisons and areas of captivity that threaten us and we recognize, because we see them around us, we recognize that we too are in the in-between times, and so we eat to get us to the next day and the next day in hopeful anticipation of that finishing move and the greatest feast of all time. If you're helping, if you will come and um, help us to distribute the elements. We are a church now that celebrates the Lord's Supper every week. Oh, John, you gotta be really careful about that because if you do it every week, it will lose its, you know, its specialness, its special kind of feel. Well, that's kind of on me to make sure that we continue to talk about it so that it doesn't, and it's on you to have a better thought than that one. There are a lot of things that we do on a daily and weekly basis that should stay special to us, and if they don't, Trouble lies ahead. But I want us to have this because we need, hear this, the sustenance to get us to the next day and the next day as we eat in anticipation of the kingdom to come. Heavenly Father, bless these elements. Use them, God, to move us and shape us by their strength, God, help us to wait faithfully. Help us to wait obediently. And then, God, use our obedience to make the kinds of preparations that John and Blair were making for baby Gibson, that Chris and Kristen were making for baby Phoenix. Use our obedience, God, to... Help us to make the kinds of preparations that my brother Jim is making as he anticipates freedom and liberty 
little less than a year from now. God, we do celebrate. We do celebrate that you have come. And yet, God, we understand that we are in the in-between times, and so there is some anguish during this season of Advent. We celebrate your coming, but we sure ache for your coming again. It was on the night that he was betrayed that our Savior took bread, blessed it, broke it, and he gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body, sustenance, (laughs) broken for you. Every time you eat of this bread, remember me. Later on after dinner, he took the cup, held it up before them and said, and this is my blood, the blood of the new covenant. Every time you drink it, you drink it in remembrance of me, but also in anticipation of that final meal. ask you to stand. You will exit your pew to the left. Come forward with your hands cupped, if you would, to receive this gift of grace. The person holding the bread will take a piece of bread and press it into your hands saying, this is the body of Christ broken for you. Take that piece of bread then and dip it into the cup right there. When you do, that person will say, the blood of Christ shed for you. And then take and eat it right then and there. This is when you'll have a decision to make. The decision is not whether or not to pray. I hope you'll pray. The decision is where you'll find a place to pray. It is a season of celebration of beauty and lights. I love our sanctuary during this season. Do not let the beauty and the lights and the holiday specials distract you from the anguish to which we are called as the people of God. But you will need to be sustained. You will need this to get you to that next day. If you are in need of having Jason come to you, just sort of raise your hand and Jason will come and find you who is welcome at this table. Anyone And everyone who recognizes their need, you are not compelled to come. You don't have to come. But everyone who who recognizes their need, you are welcome at this table. We don't have to all be at the same place. You are welcome at this table. Now all across the sanctuary, if you would now stand, exit the pew to your left, come forward and receive this gift.
words of intercessory prayer before giving way to Jason, who will bring us prayers of the people. Before we close with the Lord's Prayer today. Heavenly Father, we confess We confess that there are times when we, like the Corinthian church, can be distracted by the other voices, the other kings, the other kingdoms. We confess that there are times when we forget that we have all that we need because we have you. God, there are times when we forget, and when we forget, we stop waiting actively. We stop recognizing that it is in and through our obedience that you are doing something in our families, in our church, in our communities, perhaps even in our state, our nation, our world. God, we have this awful, normal human capability of forgetting who you are and forgetting that you have invested in us. We forget, God, that we are not just called, but we are empowered to be your people. And so may this season of Advent be a month-long reminder that we are, in fact, gifted in the right sorts of ways, graced in all the best ways, resourced, helped along, coached, so that we can be, so that we can be the tangible expression of the kingdom that is already. So hear us now, God, as we bring to your mind and your heart the needs of our community. Let's begin those prayers praying for Jimmy Mendorf. It's a good prayer, part of us, as he rests and he waits. As Brandon plays behind, I can hear all the lost and lonely. A lot of times that are those who are incarcerated. So if you know someone besides Jimmy who's incarcerated, pray for them at this time. If not, pray for Joe, for Michael, or for Joel, some of my friends. Lord, we pray for those families who, as they gathered, this Christmas, we're missing someone and that grief was difficult because they just wanted the person and their loved one around that table with them. So we pray for those who've experienced grief this past week and will continue to do so through this Advent and then Christmas season. We ask God that you would come alongside those who are lonely, those who miss, those who are troubled, those who are hurting. specifically thinking about some of our homebound members 
asking for your specific touch upon them. Thinking of BJ Slothauer at 102. What a smile that guy has and sense of humor. Bless BJ. Be with Virginia Walker. She's, although had some difficult health times recently, she's recovered so well. Every week when we have communion, I go back and serve Jerry. We pray for Mary Ann. Ask God you would now bless Mary Ann Bell. Lord, ask you'd be with Kelly Mendorf's mom, Helen Ann. Lord, ask that you would go to her and bring comfort and peace and the knowledge of your deep presence. Ask you to be with Gladys Lacrone, Mona Filippo. More, Lord, out there that this is their church home. We are their church home. We are the body of Christ for them. And may God, your extension of your love and grace through us as a body and through that blessing, God, you give me to go and bring care. May they, God, sense that you are with them and you are for them. Lord, we get to be that blessing to our neighborhood. And God, we pray for our teens and all those involved in our outpost ministry and ask God you would bless them as they move out into our neighborhood this afternoon for an outpost opportunity, God, that you would be with each of these apartment sites, that God, that as we go, Lord, your gospel and love would be spread meal by meal and conversation by conversation. Those conversations, Lord, as they always happen in our gym, in our gymnasium, in the Cole Center, Lord, we ask that you would allow us to be uh, the body of Christ for our community and for people, uh, that we would be a light in dark places. Jesus, we ask that you would allow missionaries around the world to be a light in dark places. And God asks that you would be with and commission and bless Zach as he leaves tomorrow for Africa. Lord, be with Zach McCulloch. Lord, go with him and go before him and allow him to just make and create such great change. As we pray for Zach in Africa, we ask God you be with our mission and our friends in Zambia. And you prepare hearts as people are preparing to go this summer to Zambia together as our team. Lord, we, we love you and ask that you would transform all of us into your very image. And one of those ways we want you to do that is by praying this prayer today and some of us daily, some of us many times, that God, you would allow us to be people who ask for our daily bread to get to the next day that we might serve and be part of your kingdom. So let's pray together using debts and debtors. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast. For more information about OKC First, please visit okcfirst.com. Like us on Facebook at Oklahoma City First Church of the Nazarene or follow us on Twitter at OKC First Church.